One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Say goodbye to diluted creams and serums that are often made up of 70% water and 15% preservatives, leaving minimal space for the ingredients your skin craves. The scientists behind fiber skincare have spent 15 years perfecting nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. And just one year ago, they patented a way of wrapping these nanofibers around oil or liquid-based ingredients. The result was a formula that delivers five times more active ingredients compared to creams or serums with no need for fillers like water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is a plant-based anti-wrinkle set of patches that you use over seven days, applying them just like your favorite serums. Your skin will feel tighter in 10 seconds, and over seven days, the program is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by 19.4%. In fact, they have a tighter skin guarantee where if your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they will give you your money back, no questions asked. Go to fiberskincare.com and use code unfiltered for 15% off. As moms, we are often juggling a million and one things. With our kids going in a million different directions and taking care of everyone else can mean that we often forget about ourselves. It's time to reclaim a little me time with some well-deserved self-care. And for us, that doesn't have to mean a lot. It can be picking a favorite product and taking a little extra time to do our daily routine. Dime Beauty offers clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Dime didn't sacrifice performance just to make it clean either. They are 100% transparent about every single ingredient, so you can use their products daily with confidence. You know we don't have the energy to remember the order of a 10-step routine, so we love that the work system keeps things simple for us and has everything you need in one powerful package with a gentle cleanser, a toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their beauty reviews are literally all five stars. If you haven't checked out Dime, it's time. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com now and unlock your discount. That's dimebeautyco.com parents in the group I feel like a lot of them like my kid would never do drugs but the point is they could do the drug once a recreational drug that might be for someone who say has ADHD like it could be Adderall laced with like is that true that there's like a hundred percent drugs that people take every day that are laced with something Natalie what do I do (laughs) I hope it's giddy giddy Okay, guys, uh, welcome 
to this amazing group. This is a group of moms who, you know, what we have fit. Well, let, let's first introduce Miss, well, Dr. Natasha Williams, uh, a fellow Ontario Trontonian from our, from our city, which is so exciting to have you here. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do day to day? I'm oh, fascinated by it and I love it. So, oh my gosh. You tell us. First of all, thank you so much for having me on this platform. And yes, from one fellow Torontonian to another, it's it's amazing. So thank you so much for having me. So live and work in Toronto. I am a clinical psychologist. I've been a psychologist now for over 15 years. We have a clinic here in Toronto called Allied Psychological Services. So it's myself, two other psychologists, and we have a team of psychologists, psychotherapists, social workers, and work with a variety of individuals. You guys do virtual because that will be a huge yes, question. Okay. Absolutely. We the right now the majority we were actually doing virtual before we actually needed it. We had that platform and we've just expanded it. So everyone in our clinic has the capacity to work with individuals on a virtual level. Now it's in the province of Ontario. So that's yes. the other thing as well, because yeah. we're registered, you know, as registered clinicians, we are only able to do our clinical work um, in the province of Ontario. I'm also a keynote speaker. So I've been doing a lot of keynote speaking in a variety of areas. And I know we're gonna be talking about some of that as well, in terms of embracing selfishness, reclaiming your superwoman. You've written two books too. Yes, yes. So I've been, I'm part of a book called Carpe Diem, which is basically Seize the Day. So there's 24 of us women that have contributed to this anthology in regards to how we've overcome different adversities and then been able to sort of pivot and seize the day. So that was the first book I was in. My second book is my uh, ebook, which, which was my baby, which I love, which is called Embracing Selfishness. It's not what you think. And I know we'll definitely talk more about that as well. But it's, it's talking about how do we redefine this term selfishness and where has it come from and how can we embrace that to understand that loving ourselves and putting ourselves first is actually not selfish, it's selfful. And it's actually helpful to actually living the life that we want to live, but more importantly, being able to understand that once we put ourselves first, then we are able to actually be of, of service to others if we so choose as well. This, I mean, so for some background, we did a, a Facebook Live where we asked people, you know, two things like one, what, who, who's your biggest critic and what's standing in your way of kind of every day? And I know you can guess which, what everybody, every woman said right. was themselves. And then I, then when we began to have conversations that were a lot more honest and, and, you know, deep, a lot of people said, you know, they go to bed guilty every night and oh. they go, they beat themselves up all day. And, right. you know, even I think all of us find we feel guilty for maybe not entertaining them all day, you know, and being there for them all day. So for, right. for, for these people, I mean, does selfishness and guilt go hand in hand? Do you think? Yeah. You know what? A lot of times it does because we actually have a very interesting way that we see selfishness because the, if we look at the actual definition of the term, we believe that selfishness means that we have to neglect others, that we're not only putting ourselves first, but it's to the detriment of other people. So if we end up embracing that, it means that we are not uh, to the service of our children or to the service of our mm -hmm. partner or anything else. So God forbid. And what that does as well is if we have this mindset in regards to how we define ourselves as women or how society believes we need to define ourselves as women, that mindset is contradictory. So we can't be selfish because then it contradicts what we're supposed to be as women in terms of this serving, all loving, all kind, yes, but also so self-sacrificing. So a lot of times that, that, that rhetoric that we have as women is, to be the proper social woman that we need to be, you need to put yourself last. Everybody else has to be in front of you. And what that does is it, it feeds the societal message that we have in terms of whom we're supposed to be as women. So radical. And that's why men don't have this. Because Thank you. That's it. Just like this. Like, Th that's oh it. my God. It's not that they're born differently. It's just we've constructed societal norms. Yes. 
So what we have to do when we talk about embracing selfishness and self-care, it has to go beyond just the behavior. So a lot of times what we talk about is, okay, self-care, go get a pedicure, go get a manicure. Go grocery shopping. But yes, exactly. Leave the house for, yeah, exactly. Go, you know, go do this for a little bit. But then what happens is, is that you come back into the same environment and you end up being riddled with guilt. So those behaviors end up being temporary fixes and things that we usually do when we hit rock bottom, where we feel like we're just absolutely eroded. And it's like, okay, I need to take this time for myself for a second and then come back. Self-care and selfishness needs to come from a mindset first and then everything follows. So then when you're able to engage in those activities, which again are not wrong in terms of, you know, manicures, pedicures, and those kinds of things, for example, it comes from a place of being self-full and making sure that your cup is full first before you can go and do all of those behaviors and not feel guilty because of it. And that's another thing I think that people do when they go to do those acts of self-care is they come back, they feel guilty and they apologize for it, which like continues the cycle of, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have time for myself because, um, because of my mom and because I'm a woman, because I need to be here and I need to do all these things. But the right. other people in your household, you're apologizing to, it's the same thing over and over. Right. Oh man. Right. Absolutely. And so that's what we're, we're setting yeah. I, I'm assuming when you apologize, you're now telling your children who you're trying to raise to tell them that doing these things is, and your sons as well, and your daughters, mm -hmm. that you should not do these things when you grow up and become a mom because it's bad, because now I've apologized for going out for dinner. Oh, this is right. So what happens is this is now generational. We yeah. now we now continue to condition ourselves, and particularly as women, to believe that this is actually not the way a woman is supposed to function. The definition of a woman is supposed to be sacrifice. And the thing is, again, I am not a person that is all absolutes. I know that you know there's a, there's a, there's things that we have to sometimes sacrifice or or compromise and those kinds of things. And that's not necessarily the issue. But it's when our womanhood is tied to that then that's where the that's where the issue lies so that's where we have to look at you know again mindset and being able to change the foundation of what is going on so that we can truly embrace taking care of ourselves and i'm assuming when you let that go with the mindset you can truly take care of yourself to make your it's not a temporary fix it's like a, it's, it's a like deep, every day it's like a soul fix because you're you're actually filling your cup you're not putting a band-aid on it Right. And it's something that you have to continue to work on because it's also, you know, again, a lot of the societal messages that we're receiving is this is actually not the way you're actually supposed to be the sacrificial lamb. You're not supposed to be worrying about yourself first. You're supposed to. So what happens, you get messages that contraindicate those things. So it's not about a one-time fix or a one-time behavior. It's something. And it's, and the thing is what I teach I also practice. So it's not about, you know, oh, I read this in a book or, you know, I trained, you know, how many years as a psychologist. It is part of um, sort of research and, and clinical research and information, but I need to practice it as well so that I'm not just, you know, just giving rhetoric. So it's a journey that you have to continuously do. Now we're going live. Yeah. So this is Nedra. I have been, you know, following you on Instagram. We've been following you on Instagram for a while and your posts um, speak so much that a lot of people don't talk about in terms of, you know, being okay with, with boundaries and your own voice and your own space. And you really, you're the first one I've seen bring together so many points of, you know, it starts with you and then how we move forward in life. And I want to introduce you because I think more than ever, we need this conversation. You're an author. You have almost a million people on Instagram. So a lot of people must be having some um, of these conversations must touch them. If you could just give us a little background on how and why and, and, and all that you're doing right now. <laughs> Tell me everything. Literally. Um. <laughs> 
Uh, well, I am an author. My book is Set Boundaries, Find Peace. It came out in March and it is all about boundaries. Um, I learned about boundaries many, many years ago, but when I was in grad school, I went to therapy and I didn't know why I was going. It was like, if you're a student, you can go for free. You should go if you want to be a therapist. So I was like, okay, cool. And I went and I was talking and my therapist was like, have you ever heard of boundaries? I'm like, what is that? Um, and so, you know, we talked a little bit about boundaries. She recommended a book and I was like, oh my gosh, because basically I was setting boundaries and I was dealing with a lot of pushback. I was dealing with people getting mad at me, people not talking to me anymore for setting boundaries. And I was like, am I a terrible person? And the therapist is like, okay, tell me what the boundary was. You can't borrow my car. No, you're not a terrible person. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm, I'm just, I can say that to people. She's like, absolutely. I'm like, I thought I could, but the way they respond is just like, I've said this terrible thing. So that is the book. Um, I've been a therapist for 14 years. Um, and I absolutely love this work. It's, it's so, I don't want to say fun because that sounds like a weird word to describe therapy, but I really like listening to people and helping them because it is such a, a gift to be able to do that, right? Like so often when we're in relationship with people, it's like this two-way street and with your therapist, I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And my clients are often so shocked because I'll be like, wait, is this the guy that you dated when you were in middle school? And then his mom came over and they're like, how do you remember that? I'm like, I'm literally listening just to you. You'd be surprised how much I can retain when I'm paying attention. Right. Um, so it's it's a lovely job. I love doing that. And then I have this community on Instagram and I have tapped into um, a community of people who enjoy hearing about various aspects of mental health, wellness, relationships. And it's a lot of stuff that we don't know. And then there's some stuff that it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, this is a refresher. So it's, it's good to be in all of these spaces doing things that I love. I, I, I We're glad you do this. And I have to tell you, I feel like learning about boundaries should be learning about banking should be learning about how to walk how to talk like it, when when I started to you know kind of deeper dive into your stuff I'm like how is this not a, a something we learn as humans like how is this not a course in school how many problems we could change and I think the first question for a lot of people sitting there is like what is a boundary? Like, what is that? And because that's a new word for a lot of people, right? My my initial like um, uh, thought when I hear the word boundaries is the only thing I think is just personal space. That was the first thing mm -hmm. I thought, and that's physical it. space. Yeah, but there's so much more to it. So it could be physical space. It could also be emotional space or emotional connection. It can be, um, you know, how you protect the things that you say, who you tell, your privacy. So boundaries are kind of think of it as your operating procedures. It is your rules of engagement. It is the things that make you feel safe and comfortable in your relationships with other people. I think we do innately have boundaries. I think the challenge is expressing those boundaries to other people. I think we already have it. You know, if you look at most kids, most kids are very clear about, I don't want to wear jeans. I don't want to hug this person. I don't want to do that. And we are slowly like deprogramming them, like no do it, no wear this, no this, no that. And that is teaching us maybe what I'm thinking is not what I'm supposed to be thinking. And then we grow up and we're still like, maybe I should go to the party. Maybe it's okay if people stand a little bit. We're still like second guessing ourselves because we do know and we know it because it comes up. It comes up like they're too close. No, no, maybe they're not. You know, it's like we know it, but we're so afraid to 
express that because we don't want to be perceived as as mean people. Mean or rude. Our boundaries and intuition, sorry, um, our boundaries and intuition intertwine. Like that also sounds like your your inner, like your inner workings that are connected to your boundaries because as a child, you know what you look like. I always think of the situation where they say, you know, I knew when he was asking to help me that I should have said no, but I didn't say no and something terrible ended up happening. But they said that voice is so loud. Are they connected in that way? Like your nose inside? I, I absolutely think they can be. Today I had a post um, and it was like how to say no when people won't listen to you saying no or something like that. And I had about eight things like, no, I will not be able to. Please stop asking me, blah, blah, blah. And I don't really get into the comments of stuff because that's where things get a little murky on social media. But I, I did pull up the post and I saw one and it said like, these are so mean. It's so mean to tell people no. And I'm like, what? Like, I read them and it was like, my no means no. Could you please stop asking me? Like quite polite. Just yeah, but there are so many of us because we can't say no. We also can't hear no. I, I took your quiz and I said to Nat when we were doing it, I was like, that is such an important one. When you personalize someone else's boundary, because that's like, you're taking their boundary without your, like, that is such a confusing one. Why do we personalize people's boundaries so much? Because it's personal. I think it does impact who we are and it lets us know how a person feels about us. Like, you know, we feel really close to people when we have no boundaries with them. That's why enmeshment feels so great because it's like, I can do anything with this person. And not just, you know, to some extent that feels good to have an all access pass. So when you let people know, oh no, no, you, you can't do this, or you can do this, or this is how I would like that. It feels personal because what they would really like is to be able to do whatever. Huh. So a meshment is when you have no boundaries between two people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does every that's a that's children and a parent know, or do you need to have boundaries as parents? Absolutely, you should have boundaries as parents. As I am working from home, my boundary is the locked door to my office. Right, like don't come in here. It's me saying beforehand, "Hey, I'm going into a meeting. Please don't step into this space." We at bedtime. That's a wonderful boundary that we have with kids. Them being able to have their alone time and us having our alone time is so important to have boundaries with children and to teach them that it's okay for them to have boundaries because sometimes my kids will walk off, you know, like my daughter, she's into these Lego sets. She will walk off and she'll do her Lego set and she'll, you know, kind of zone out. That's that's great. You need your space. You are hitting think an aha moment well at least for me because as your children get into tween and teenage and they they set their boundaries of going to their rooms for their own time mm -hmm. as parents you're like wait like you personalize it like mm -hmm. you don't leave me don't ignore me but that is probably a very healthy boundary for them for them as this next age group to be setting for themselves i would assume mm -hmm. and yeah. then when you, when you tell them no they're probably like, wait, that's not an okay boundary for me to have. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As moms, we are often juggling a million and one things. With our kids going in a million different directions and taking care of everyone else can mean that we often forget about ourselves. It's time to reclaim a little me time with some well-deserved self-care. And for us, that doesn't have to mean a lot. It can be picking a favorite product and taking a little extra time to do our daily routine. Dime Beauty offers clean, high-end skincare that is affordable and it really works. Dime didn't sacrifice performance just to make it clean either. They are 100% transparent about every single ingredient, so you can use their products daily with confidence. You know we don't have the energy to remember the order of a 10-step routine, so we love that the work system keeps things simple for us and has everything you need in one powerful package with a gentle cleanser, a toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their beauty reviews are literally all five stars. If you haven't checked out Dime, it's time. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com now and unlock your discount. That's dimebeautyco.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been following us, you know we are last minute planners when it comes to summer, except for this year. We even have one of our kids going to overnight camp for a month, a whole month. We're super excited for them, but we are getting anxious about not seeing them for that long. How will they cope? Will they make friends? Will they be homesick? We all have our own unique set of stressors varying in size and significance, yet when we hold on to them, they can gradually take a toll on our well-being. Fortunately, therapy provides a safe space where you can get things off your chest and find effective strategies to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy offers a place to discover strategies for stress reduction and balance in your life, helping you face life's challenges with new strength. Like when your tween goes to overnight camp for a month and you're trying to put on a brave face. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's completely online, designed for convenience, flexibility, and tailored to fit your schedule. Simply complete a short questionnaire to be matched with a licensed therapist, knowing you can switch therapists anytime at no extra cost. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Nat today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Nat. Guys, I am, uh, well, we've known Danielle for a very long time. We met years ago at a conference. And you are in the mom space. We are in the mom space. You have an amazing Instagram. Her son is ba- baby Brody, bo- boss baby Brody. Bo- boss baby what Brody. Boss baby, baby Brody. Brody. Boss, I knew it was boss baby, baby Brody, boss. <laughs> beautiful, amazing, adorable dancer who has danced around the world. Um, literally with everybody. Everyone can't get enough of him. I mean, all yes. your children are just stunning and amazing and in every way. And- um, it's because my husband's hot, you know. <laughs> so are you and your husband is hot. Yeah, yeah. And Natalie. Actually, that's how we found you. She was watching your husband in the pool, and then there you were. So, yes, watch out with Natalie. Um, the conversation we're having today is one um, that you never expected you'd be having. I'm no. sure. Um, I don't want to tell your story for you. So, if you just want to explain a little bit about how this brought you here to being someone who is so open about this, about fentanyl and what it's doing to people and, and, and how this is happening right now in North America. Yes. I don't, um, I don't like being in this uh, sibling loss club that I'm now in. I have been forced to be into this club and my brother, my baby brother, who is 33 years old, who is gorgeous, who had the bluest of eyes, um, died accidentally of an accidental overdose because the drug was laced with fentanyl. 
Fentanyl is an opioid um, substance, a synthetic opioid substance that's 50 to 100 times stronger than heroin. It is almost like a silent killer. Of course, you could die from any drug, but just a little fraction of that, if that's in your drug, it'll stop you from breathing. So it's scary, as as you can imagine. And that's what happened to him. He was in his room and he had two roommates, you know, an accountant, a school teacher, and they didn't even know. And he was in his room and he did a drug and he died. And they were they were even in the house, you know, and they didn't know. And it was so traumatizing for everyone involved, so traumatizing still for me. It happened two years ago. Just yesterday, um, you know, my dad called and was hysterical, crying. Uh, Losing someone to a drug overdose is awful. He's a human being at the end of the day. And a lot of people that are using drugs don't mean to die. So I'm using my platforms. And I'm so grateful you have me here because we want to lessen the stigma that's associated with opioid use, Mm -hmm. with drug use, with substance use. And let me tell you, girls, that the pandemic is the perfect storm for this. And it's been, now you're battling the pandemic with all this, all this drug use. So I have so many questions like, um, Dr. Laura Berman, uh, Oprah's old, like sex doctor. She recently lost her 16 year old, um, son to fentanyl, accidental fentanyl overdose too. And when I was listening to the story, uh, she, she actually was on, went on a bunch of shows and she, you know, she wants to make people aware of this. What my question is like, a drug dealer. A drug dealer, why do they want, why would they put fentanyl in it if it's going to kill the people? Because drug dealers want to make more money. So they want to, they want to, why would they want them to die? And but she did say, if you don't overdose from it, then you get really addicted to it. But like, aren't a lot of people, why are the drug dealers, isn't it too I risky? Like, I feel like that was one of my main questions when this happened. Like, why in the world would you want to kill your client? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Danielle, before we get there, I think the question is like, um, uh, when people hear of people who die of a drug overdose, they think that they were an addict and they have an idea in their head. For you, I'm, I'm, I don't know your brother, but I'm assuming some people are recreational users and this was a recreation, was this a recreational use or was this an addiction that nobody knew about? I feel like it, it was like a combo of both. I feel like his friends didn't know that he was doing was going to do a drug at 11 o'clock in the morning. His roommates didn't even know he used drugs. What so, kind of a drug was it? It was, um, it was a pill. It was a pill. So there's two, I guess there's two, I, for the parents in the group, I feel like a lot of them, like my kid would never do drugs, but the point is they could do the drug once, whatever, a recreational drug that might be for someone who say has ADHD, like it could be Adderall laced with, like, is that true that there's like, yes, 100%. like six drugs that people take every day that are laced with something? So it's, let me, I'm in San Diego and we had like a bunch of deaths here just from cocaine it, from the, the fentanyl being in the cocaine. So it's in, it could be in anything and why they do it. I think it's extremely that's, addictive. That's I know. Why, question. I can't even think about anything else until I understand. I honestly, why what happened. I don't think the drug dealers even know that the fentanyl is in it. Oh. That's, that's what I think, you know, because I think it's, it's coming being from here. Cuts wherever it's being made, you know, and it, 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 it's a nightmare, but th- I'll tell you one thing. There are fentanyl test strips. So it's, it's not like we're condoning drug use, but if you know someone's using drugs, you should tell them about fentanyl test strips because you could test the drug to see if it has fentanyl in it. Be, and then you could make your decision. Are you going to use or are you going to not? What about you- the how do you break that conversation with your kids? I, I don't, I, I, I know. you know, because often they're not going to tell us that they're doing drugs, but we would love them to have the strip because inevitably a lot of teenagers are going to experiment with drugs. And I think parents just really need to know that is going to happen. I mean, I can only imagine how many fentanyl overdoses there has been during the pandemic. Like what, what do you think Like for you, you have teenage kids. How would you say like, here's these strips just because I guess the conversation's more open in your family because of the experience, but right. There is an open, you know, you could just give them an example, right? You can give them, um, Laura, Laura's story. You can give them my story. You can show them the face of the kid person that died. That's how I would approach it. If, if for me, it's like, it's their uncle, 
It's Uncle right. Scott. This is what happened because he used drugs. Drugs can be laced with fentanyl and kill you. Even if they don't have fentanyl in, in it, you could still overdose and die. Like, just it's it's crazy that he did not mean to die. So it's heartbreaking. So is you fentanyl know? potentially in every drug? Is it potentially? And you'll yeah. never know. Correct. Like in marijuana. It could be. Yes. It could be in marijuana as well. Like you, I, if I was using drugs, I would test everything because this stuff is so scary. Uh, guys, we're so excited to be here right now. Um, this is Dr. Hina and we've been sharing some of her stuff on our Facebook, on our Instagram and your, your information just seems to resonate like it's like it breaks down all the complexities to right to the point of what we can do. I am so personally excited to have you on here and just thank you for joining us and, and this topic of conversation. Um, I think so many of us struggle with, so thank you for being here. You are so welcome. I'm delighted to be here and to talk about talking to our kids. And I'll give you a quick, your quick bio. And if I miss something, please let me know. But you are a board certified pediatrician and adolescent medicine specialist, mother, writer, and teen media, and teen media creative based in New York City and Bridgehampton. Well, I mean, there's she's, not much she, more. We She's not lazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I love it. Yeah, when you put it all together like that, it sounds intense. What am I really? I am just surviving. I mean, this has uh -oh. been a really tough year. And um, I have toddlers at home, a three and a five-year-old. And at work, my career is all tweens and teens and young adults. And and so I've, I kind of I see both sides of it. I have the first hand for the littles. And then the bigs are what kind of occupy my headspace and, uh, you know, worrying about everything that they've gone through in the last year and then taking care of them in hospital, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I it sounds like a lot. But I tell you, I really I just I'm surviving. I'm getting through it day by day, just like you. I think that what what like I think what you're what you're doing is so important because I know as moms to tweens almost teens, it's mm -hmm. I you know our post yesterday with with eight ways to to let your child know you're enough is that it's like you you can you're a mother and then you have to parent all of a sudden and they're two very different things that we have to transition into doing and I think so much conflict comes from us wanting to mother these people who want to be independent. And you have, you know, these ways that we can let our tweens and teens know that they are enough when we are like trying to let them know, but they are like this and don't want to hear us because I don't know why, but maybe you can give us some insight and some things to do to make us feel more connected to these people who feel like other, other, like they're on another planet and we're doing everything right. wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. I would love to. So we can jump right in. I will say that probably the number one thing that I have um, seen from families that ha helped them get through this year um, was communication. So families that were communicating in a healthy way before the pandemic seemed to be able to ride it out in, in, a, in a way that felt a little bit easier. And then there are so many other families that it was sort of like a, a wake-up call where all of a sudden they were like, we really need to figure out how we can have family meetings, how we have check-ins, how we touch base, what are our family routines or, you know, what are safe spaces that people can count on in the family, like everybody to be able to share. And, and they built them in because we all had more time with each other. And, um, and so, you know, there are some things that we want to, we don't necessarily want to go back to the way we were before. And we want to look to the future and, and keep from this crazy year. And, and I think a big chunk of that is communication. So, I'm glad that we're talking about it. And I know that it, it is hard, right? It, they are different. So I'm so passionate about trying to help folks see teens in a positive light. Mm. It's like, that's what this is, whole group is about is yes. finding the joy with them again. And, you know, I hear so much of what they do, which is feels like a, like disrespectful to a lot of parents because mm -hmm. it, the, the boundary pushing feels like, how dare you talk, you know, do this to me. And that's when the, 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 uh, the barricade comes back up as a parent. You're like, you don't talk to me that way. You, you, you know, you're ungrateful. You don't know what to do for you. All of the, these yous. Mm -hmm. How can we keep boundaries of raising, you know, great humans, but let them have these feelings and communicate to them? Because what we hear in our group is a lot of tumultuous 
a lot of tumultuous relationships where they can't seem to change that behavior cycle into something loving and positive. And when your teen's not running up and giving you a giant hug and kiss and saying, I love you, it's really yeah. hard to get the reinforcement as a mom that you're doing something right. There's not a lot of right that you get back from teens and tweens. It's all kind of in the dark because sometimes yeah. it's silence. You know, them sitting there on their phone is them hanging out with you. They're in the same room with you, but we take it like, get off your phone, pay attention, you know? So (laughs) how can we understand them better and let them know they're loved and appreciated without them validating us as moms back that we're doing a great job? Right, right. Oh, these are such good questions. You know, I think the first step is to recognize our part in it and our reactions in it. Just let's just give it its space because a lot of us, um, when we were raised had interesting experiences and we remember it, right? We remember the things that were said to us when we were teenagers. And that's because it's a salient time in development. And and so our kids are gonna remember it too. Um, and so not to add, you know, more pressure, but <laughs> I do think I do think that we that when our kids become tweens and teens, it brings up things in us that are slightly different than what it brings up when our kids are toddlers, right? But when they're toddlers, we have to deal with like physical exhaustion and sleep deprivation and patience and, um, you know, mothering stuff. But when they're teen, when they're tweens, it becomes more mental, right? And, and some of that and, and psychological and some of that really is um, coming to terms with what might have happened to us as kids. And so things that might trigger us or upset us in our children might reflect things that happened to us in the past. Um, You know, maybe we were teased for weight or looks or whatever, and you just wanna not, you wanna protect. And so you have this like, you have a reason why you might be um, pushing something or or asking for something. Uh, You know, you may be an academic and a scholar, and so you want that for your kids and that's what you were, and, and that might be pressure. And and so it's really thinking about who you are, what are you putting on this kid, and then what happened to you to make you feel like putting this on. So once you kind of at least take a moment to think about that, um, when it comes to, you know, if your kiddo, if it's, if there's already a situation, which is, this is most kids, right? So if there's already a situation where you feel like the communication is not optimal or the connection is not optimal, just keep showing up and figuring out how to show up by involving them. So, you know, it, it's it's hard because you feel like it's falling on deaf ears. And I, I'm i just here to say it's not. So it, what you're saying will stay with them. What you're saying, those words, those mantras, those like corny familyisms, they become, they will stay in the back of their minds. And so just show up uh, in a way that, that, you know, that you can hopefully bring them into, like, how would you like me to show up for you today? Or um, how can I be showing up for you better? Kind of acknowledging your piece in it, as opposed to you, you, you're not doing this. You're not sitting at the table. You're, you didn't make it to this family function. You chose this. You, you did that. You know, instead of that more I, um, and this is one of those family communication tools that are so great, right? Like I statements instead of you statements. So I felt hurt or disrespected or left out or lonely when you chose to do this, um, what I need is maybe 10 minutes of your time before you head out on on that adventure with that friend. Or when you come home, maybe just 10 minutes to check in with me. Tell me about it. That that would make me feel better. So you flip the whole thing from you, you, you to I. And like what what do you tell them what how you felt and what you need. Um, and hopefully it's within reason and whatnot. Um, but everybody in the family should be doing this. You know, partners should be doing this with each other um, because you you really, people need to know what, uh, people need to know and be able to communicate better is the bottom line. And, and communicating better also is, at, you know, active listening is the first part of, of just commu- communication skills 101. And that's really hard, right? Because we often, we like our days are busy and we don't necessarily have the time every day to like sit down and have these like long, you know, getting into it talks. Um, and so just thinking about like, what am I getting into? What do I really need to be getting into this? Like picking and choosing your battles, right? Like mm-hmm. do I, is this really an issue or is this not an issue? Um, is this an issue that I can let the natural consequence run? And mm-hmm. if they don't get what they needed to get, they're stuck for camp, they're being on time for this, whatever, then they will just face it. Like, can I let that go and let them just deal? Um, as opposed to, do I really need to step in? So pick and choose your battles, um, work on that family communication and then listen. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, guys, we love Jake, and the topic today is, is anxiety, and we're going to speak with him. But, Jake, can you tell us who you are and what you do? I sure can. My name is Jake Ernst, and I am a family and child therapist in Toronto. I... Uh, and the clinical director of Straight Up Health, which is a wonderful clinic for teens and their families uh, located in Toronto. Um, and so I work uh, with a lot of young people, usually ages around 12 to um, 18. And then I do work with some um, other uh, young adults, maybe 18 to 25. Um, and so I kind of work with a broad range of folks on a broad range of issues. Happy to be here. Okay. I, I wish we were in person and I can't wait till we go in person. And when we meet in person, it's going to be at a bar. I'm just going to let them put that out. There <laughs> I, right now. I, I approve. I approve. Okay. Yeah, good. Whenever we have Jake on, he always, I mean, I don't know how many times we've had him at least twice, right? I feel like he's been ours for a very long time. I just, I feel like so many of the things that you say totally resonate with us. And because we have all these kids, we need, we need, we need tools to handle it. And one of the biggest ones, uh, it seems like such a huge topic when we're talking about our kids is anxiety. And I, yeah. I sometimes I, I, I got to ask, are more kids and people and kids, let's look at kids, are more kids anxious now than when we were younger or are people just talking about it and giving it a name now? Or are they more anxious because of life? That, that feels like a really important question. And it's a question I actually get a lot, actually, from a lot of parents. People want to know, um, are these things or are these sort of mental health trends on the up and up? So that, that answer is yes. Um, mental health issues are increasing. Um, but that also is because, like, you know, we, we, we aren't exposed to the same things we were 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, right? Like, technologically, there are just so many different advances, right? Like, kids are involved with social media, like the social landscape has really changed. Um, it's not only that, you know, kids are being bullied at school, it's like kids are being bullied at home, which is an additional layer of just like suckiness, right? And so, of course, bullying is only one example, but just the ways in which like kids experience the world is it's now like, not just our community, it's like global, people have wide access to all this stuff, and kids are just trying to make sense of it. And um, it's challenging, because I think kids are now also starting to talk about things that it even I, for me as a kid, I, I never talked about, and I'm sure as with you folks, mm -hmm. like they, there's not things my parents talked about. It's not things that, that culturally um, we were at. And so I think that it, it, the rise, the increase does represent kind of where we're at um, this is, as a society. Is it also, this is just a question. Is it, is it also too like earlier and earlier they're getting more and more information. So I was on TikTok yesterday and I know our 10 year old, your, who, the, your youngest is 10 and on it no nine our youngest are on it or nine and there was a it's a it was like a trigger warning for eating disorders and she had her in her in the hospital and then in like in recovery and just sort of like you know and I thought to myself and you know um there's conversations of suicide like there's a lot of conversations on these platforms and I'm like is, yeah. is there an age that's too much too early too soon and is this something we as parents can control is or are we just teaching them younger how to handle these emotions 
I don't even know that like as adults, we're prepared to handle the amount of stuff that, that are thrown at us. Right. And so let alone like little kids, I think about just the ways that like the, the 24 hour news cycle, which is only a, a you know, a feature of the past five, 10 years. Um, this constant stream of news is not good on our system. Like we are not built to tolerate this level of like constant exposure to bad things. Right. And, and, and things that are happening. And so, um, you know, I think, Age-wise, yeah, young kids just don't have those skills and have capacity. I don't think any of us are really that equipped to handle it um, because it just it all like sits within our system. That that level of stress, if we don't find a way to release it, it stays inside of us. So, does um, it, are there like a few uh, a few different areas that um, when kids are talking about their anxiety? that are like the, the most, the, the hardest common. on, the most common and the most like triggering to their anxiety. And what are those things? I would say it's anything that kids don't have control over. And so often when I'm working with kids, I'm sitting and straddling on the balance of two different things. What is in your control and what is out of your control. And oftentimes it's the ones that are in our control. We feel a little bit better at managing and we can, and we can feel a little bit better about those things. It's the things that are out of our control often, like, um, on the whole, that are just so much harder to deal with. And I think that we can like we can also see how that's true, right? Um, and then I think on top of that, it's the social pieces. Right. So things like fitting in, things like belonging, things like, you know, friends, things like, um, you know, their social standing, those kinds of things, I think, just hit different for kids. So as a parent, when your kid has, often they're not like, I feel anxious. They have yeah. definite different sim- symptoms. Let's call them symptoms. What would those symptoms look like for parents who are struggling with kids and they're not sure what this thing anxiety is called i think it's important to really kind of start by going through like what anxiety actually is um anxiety is uh is a normal feeling that we all have so we all actually have anxiety um we don't all have anxiety at like a clinical level right that would be like um uh, worthy of like a mental health diagnosis, for example. But anxiety is a normal emotion and a more normal feeling that we have. And that emotion is there in order to cue us into avoiding things. Um, and so it's often rooted in fear. So often when we experience anxiety, it's it's there to help us avoid something. And so the, the number one thing that um, the way that it shows up in young people, especially, is that they say it's uncomfortable. Um, I don't want to feel it. So for some kids, it's like it shows up as like tummy aches. For some kids, it shows up as like my heart's beating really fast. For some kids, it shows up as like muscle tension. So they're just like feeling really tight. For some kids, it shows up as like they can't speak and can't form words. Um, and so what I, uh, what I say to the discomfort piece is that it's, act- it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Anxiety is designed to be uncomfortable. If it wasn't uncomfortable, then we wouldn't avoid it. Right. And so if you think about all the things that um, we have to avoid in our lives. So say, for example, like um, if we are on a trail and there's like a bear in our path, anxiety is that emotion that's going to help us avoid the bear. Right. And so the problem is that there are many sort of triggers or many sort of perceived threats in our world that aren't always right in front of us. The bear isn't always in front of us. Right. And so um, part of uh, uh, if we didn't have that anxiety, and we didn't have that discomfort that cues us into, oh, no, I have to avoid, I have to get away from it, then we'd be in danger and that wouldn't be good. So anxiety is actually functional in that sense. We, we need anxiety. 